Hello, friends. Welcome to the Think, Believe, Achieve podcast, episode number five. It's a pleasure to have all of you on board, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This episode is uh, related to the previous one where we spoke about the importance of goal setting, and we dived a little bit into how you might set these goals. So this episode is about mindset. And you know, mindset for me is the most important attribute in achieving success. You know, the the name of my podcast, Think, Believe, Achieve, this also emanates from my belief and mindset. I also use Think, Believe, Achieve as the motto of my company. So it's the underlying philosophy of my coaching. And why is that? Because I believe everything starts from a thought. Let's look at a very simple example. Let's say I wanted to become an actor when I was much younger, right? If that was my dream. So it begins with a thought. I want to be an actor, that's a thought then that thought has to turn into belief that I can be an actor. And then it moves into the action stage, pardon the pun, but it moves into the action stage in order to achieve my goal of becoming an actor. So I make plans to take action. So think, believe, achieve. I believe, I think, I achieve. Begins with think and then moves into believe and then achieve. So there's a kind of seamlessness in that process. In Sanskrit, the old Indian language, there's an expression called sankalp se siddhi. Now just to describe or translate that, it means from thought, sankalp is a thought, and siddhi is achievement or destiny. And the way they describe it, it begins with a thought, which becomes a feeling, which leads to an attitude, which enables action. Consistent action becomes a habit. Habit forms your personality or becomes part of your personality. And personality leads to destiny. So that's how they describe it. And for me, it's a much more simplified version. Think, believe, achieve. So it's all about mindset for me. Now, psychologists believe that people can be classified broadly into two categories based on their mindsets. And what are these two categories? The first one is a fixed mindset. So let's look at what are the characteristics of people with fixed mindsets. People of this mindset tend to believe that uh, talent, ability, intelligence, these are just things you're born with and cannot be enhanced. So they don't believe that you can learn these things. They believe you either have it or you don't. So people of this disposition are 
unlikely to try new things or make efforts to improve themselves because they think, what's the point? Nothing's going to change. So essentially, they just go through life reacting to situations. So they're very reactive as an overall personality. The second category is what I'm sure all of you belong to. And I say that with this confidence and certainty, because if you didn't belong to this category of mindset, you wouldn't be listening to my podcast. Just the name of my podcast itself would not encourage you to click. And this category is called the growth mindset. I'm pretty sure you all know what the characteristics of this category are, but we'll talk about it anyway. So people in the growth mindset category are constantly looking to improve themselves because they realize that life is about learning. It's a process of continuous learning, which means they're not afraid of taking chances. They're not afraid of failing because they view failures as stepping stones towards success. Every time you fail, you take some learning from it and you move one step closer towards success. So they're generally quite proactive. So these are the two broad categories that psychologists talk about when they talk of mindsets. And friends, it's, it's quite unfortunate that in today's world, there are a great number of people in the fixed mindset category. So these are people who might be stuck in situations they don't like, but other than complaining, they do nothing about it or they do very little about it because they consider themselves to be victims of fate or destiny and they take no personal responsibility for their problems. They play the victim card to such an extent that, you know, they actually probably enjoy their victimhood. Whatever unpleasant situation they might find themselves in, they always blame someone or something else for their troubles. And they actually revel in the sympathy of others for their plight. They love their victimhood. Now, I'm, I'm going to make a very honest confession here. I was guilty of being a member of the Fixed Mindset Club for a long time. Especially during the first few years of my life in New Zealand, I felt like I was the victim of some strange conspiracy to fill my life with worries, problems, and roadblocks. It's like I was deliberately enticed to come to New Zealand so I could face all these problems. So whether I was the victim of a job loss, a restructuring, or whatever, a redundancy, whether it was a problem I had with a boss in any of my companies, 
whether it was any other work issues or even health issues. I always attributed it to either someone's vindictiveness against me or my own bad luck. You know, it took me a long time to realize that my attitude was not helping my situation. If anything, it was making it worse. Then, in the last few years of my corporate career, I somehow gravitated towards self-development programs. You know, by sheer chance, I attended a few motivational seminars, just accompanying a friend until I got into it. And I also chanced upon meditation, which was actually something that my doctor advised me to try out. And that's the only reason I tried it out. It's not that I hadn't heard of meditation. I had heard a lot about it, but I didn't honestly want to try it. I just thought it was, it was something out there. You know, it was not for normal people. <laughs> you know, I, I thought it was for not real hippies, but hippie type of people, you know. But when my doctor suggested it to me, because when I went through a phase where I was totally stressed out, my stress was taking a toll on my health, my doctor suggested trying it out, trying mindfulness meditation, instead of going on medication. So meditation instead of medication. And the only reason he suggested that, despite being a medical professional, is because he had tried it himself and it had worked for him. And also, I was already on a lot of other medications and he didn't want to add more medications. So when I started it, I was not sold, I'll be honest. The first few sessions, I thought I was wasting my time. But slowly it grew on me. And through all of that, self-development programs, motivational seminars, meditation uh, techniques, I realized that I had to get out of this fixed mindset. It wasn't helping me, it was only harming me. So then once I started becoming a little bit more open to learning and having a more flexible mindset, I decided that every time I find myself in a situation that I don't enjoy or like, you know, if being in that situation or environment was making me uncomfortable, unhappy, miserable, I decided I needed some sort of a mantra or a formula for me to fall back on. So I came up with this formula that I call the calm formula. I love this word, calm. I think there are some words, just by saying it, your blood pressure might go down a couple of notches. Think of these words. Calm. Relax. So when you say or someone says, calm, 
relax. How does it make you feel? Certainly makes me feel good. So I just worked out a formula for myself. I called it CALM because CALM is an acronym, obviously. And people who know me know that I'm an acronym nut. I love it. I love acronyms. Now, my formula was inspired by the serenity prayer. Most of you know the serenity prayer. For the benefit of those who might not know, I don't think there'll be many of you. But anyway, let me just repeat the short version of it here. So it goes like this. And this is just a, you know, a general generic sort of message I'm giving you. It may not be the exact words, but it's along the lines of, Lord, grant me the courage to change the things I can change, the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, and the wisdom to know the difference. So my calm formula is inspired by this. And it guides me through the difficult situations that I face in life. And it helps me to come up with solutions to resolve the problems and move forward. So let's just dive into this. The CALM formula, C stands for change the situation. So C is for change. If you find yourself in a position that you can change whatever is bothering you, go ahead and change it. If you cannot change it yourself, but can influence others to change it, then start influencing it. Influence the change. The next letter A stands for accept the situation. So if you are unable to change the situation or influence a change, learn to accept it. This will involve compromise and adjustment on your part. The third letter, L, stands for leave the situation. So if you are unable to change or accept the situation, leave the situation. Start working out how you can get out of the situation. The last letter M is something I tagged on because one, it completes the acronym CALM and another, I think it is very, very important. M stands for make the right choice. It's important to choose the best option among the three very wisely. Don't make that choice in an emotional state. Take time out to think, deliberate, discuss, consult someone in order to make the right move rather than making the wrong move in haste. So that's my calm formula, friends. I hope it helps some of you if you go through situations where you're not sure how to move forward. Try using the CALM formula, see if it helps you and let me know if it does. You know I love feedback. 
Let me give you an example of one of my clients who used this formula for the situation he was going through. Now the names I use are obviously going to be fictitious because I don't want to, you know, disturb their privacy. I need to protect that. So the fictitious name for this client of mine, let's say is Ramesh. And the other person involved in this situation is Ramesh's boss and we'll just call him Paul. Now friends, please don't read anything into the possible ethnicities of these names. I've just made them up, all right? <laughs> There's a lot of tendency to read between the lines, but please don't read between the names. <laughs> so Ramesh was going through a very difficult situation at work. You see, he'd been recently hired as a warehouse manager and he was reporting the to the operations manager. And that's Paul. Paul had worked his way up from the bottom. You know, he'd been working on the floor. He started as a cleaner in the warehouse and then he worked his way up to being a storeman and then, you know, through his work and through his long period of employment with the company. He had been with the company for 20 years. He worked his way up from the bottom and had become the operations manager. And because of his path of growth, he didn't have much time for people who had degrees in that kind of education. He believed in, you know, working from the bottom up. He had, let's say, a condescending kind of attitude towards people who came in with a lot of education. And Ramesh had a lot of education. He was a postgraduate. So straight away, Paul had a kind of sarcastic attitude towards Ramesh. And he took great pleasure and satisfaction in the fact that someone with such high qualifications reported to him and he had nothing beyond high school qualifications. He'd never let an opportunity go to throw sarcastic barbs at Ramesh about his qualifications. And he, I think, actually took delight in piling on work and setting unrealistic expectations regarding outputs and deadlines. So it was a very tough work environment for Ramesh. He even called it toxic. Now the problem for Ramesh was that Paul, because he was a veteran in the company, he was very close to the owners of the company, the directors of the company. And so his behavior was not something you could correct by reporting it to HR. So when Ramesh initially signed on with me, he was just looking to reduce stress at work because he was feeling 
It was a new role and he was feeling a bit insecure. And he was also suffering from the imposter syndrome, which is doubting your own ability for the role that you're doing. When we first talked about, you know, what were his challenges and what were his goals going to be, he never mentioned anything about the personal issues that he was having with Paul. He just talked about time management and getting over his imposter syndrome. And also talked about improving organizational and people skills. But after a couple of sessions, as we dive deeper into his why and so on, which is part of our coaching process, I managed to break through beyond his original issue. Lots of times, you know, people have a problem under a problem. And when they first talk to someone about their problem, they only talk about the problem on the surface. They don't talk about the one under that. But after a few sessions, I broke through, you know, I was successful and I managed to break through. And that's when Ramesh started talking about the real problem between him and Paul. So once we had identified the real issue, we both realized that, you know, just improving his time management or his organizational skills or his people skills was not going to cut it. It wasn't going to fix the real issue. So that's when we talked about the calm formula. And, you know, we went through whether this is something he could try to apply in his situation. So I, I suggested that he take some time and think about which one of the options would suit him best. Could he change the situation? Could he accept the situation? Or did he have to leave the situation? Ramesh decided that he'll take some time over this. He recognized that his stress was only a symptom. It wasn't the real problem. Eventually, in less than six months since he first saw me, he realized that he needed to find another job because Paul wasn't going to change. And... Ramesh wasn't going to be able to just continue working in that toxic environment. So he was very relieved when he realized that this was his path forward. He had to find another job. But the good thing is he didn't do that in an emotional state. He didn't do it, let's say, when he had a run-in with Paul. Let's say he went through a particular situation where Paul had a go at him and Ramesh was very upset. That wasn't the time when he suddenly decided to throw it all in. Instead, he did things calmly and he gave himself time to find the right job. So by following that calm process, it gave him confidence that the solution he arrived at was the right one.
And so he wasn't second guessing or doubting himself for the action he was going to take. So friends, that's how it worked for my client. That's how it generally works for me. Is that something you could try? Or do you have another formula that you depend on? Is there another strategy you use when you're in a situation that you don't like and you want to do something about it? Thank you so much. That's today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you. And until we meet again, take care. All the best.